With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. To Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. And Magic Johnson is out there celebrating! Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win! Yes! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes! It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty alongside my co-host Corbin Ford. I am Garrett Bougay, and this week. Given all of the, uh, the the COVID stuff happening, you know, there's there's not a lot to talk about in the NBA, honestly. And uh, we, we've done some other sort of pop culture episodes in the past. Of course, we did a, a top 10 Marvel movies episode a year or two back. So we decided uh, Corbin, I believe, has seen this movie three times and I uh, just got done watching it. We're going to talk Spider-Man No Way Home. Yes. Yes, we are. I'm pumped, man. Thanks so, again, man. It's fun. Right off the bat, I got to say, I, I really, really liked it. Uh, you know, I, I haven't I haven't gone through yet and sort of ranked it in terms of the, the tiers of all the Marvel movies and everything. But I, I can say probably without a doubt, it is in my top 10 of their films. I just did a similar ranking with my coworkers, and we all agreed the same. He's it's definitely top ten. At first, I'm like, "This is a knee jerk reaction," but now I'm starting to think, "Nope, it's just that." After the third show, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's got a little bit of everything, you know. I, I think, and we should we should also state for for anyone listening, spoilers coming. <laughs> you heard it. <laughs> if, if you have not uh, if you have not watched it yet, and you don't want to be uh, if if you don't want any of the uh, the plot points to be ruined for you. Turn this off now. Come back to us later, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll uh, you'll enjoy some of our thoughts. But uh, now we've got that out of the way. You know, going into this, obviously in the trailer we saw, uh, you know, um, Doc Ock, and uh, we we heard the voice of uh, Willem Dafoe as uh, the Green Goblin. So we knew that it was going to be some sort of a Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse type thing. Uh, and, you know, obviously we've we've gotten 
some of those indications from the the Marvel TV series that have been airing, most notably mm-hmm. Loki. So we knew that going in, and uh, you know, I also, based on seeing those people in the trailer, was like, well. Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire absolutely have to be in this, right? And uh, <laughs> they uh, they didn't disappoint us. They they were in it, and you know I I wouldn't have been surprised if they were in it just briefly, you know, sort of like a cameo thing. But they yeah. were major characters in this. I was impressed. Man. I'll let you know. I at first said, "Oh, they have to be." There's no way this Peter Parker can battle them all by himself. Then. When Andrew Garfield did the media rounds and was like, nope, I'm absolutely not involved. I'm like, well, he wouldn't just lie like that. Like, he said he has never heard this and that. I said, okay, maybe he's like not in it. And they just use like a cameo of someone swinging by and helping in the iconic, you know, Amazing Spider-Man costume. Um, But man, oh man, that movie surpassed. Like when they came in and what the little touches too, like the theme music for each individual Spider-Man as they entered again it blew us the mind it blew it away and you're right they like were the stars that entire second half of the movie and they played a very featured role i've got notes that are they're not necessarily in order so we'll probably be jumping all around around so let's let's get right into that where the they they show up and what's hilarious too is at one point they even recognized for the crowd because they're all named peter parker they they did plenty of jokes about that but i loved it who 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 tom pointing holland was, tom holland was peter parker one toby mcguire was or i guess tom holland was spider-man one toby mcguire spider-man two and andrew garfield relegated to the spider-man three role as yeah. as we all as as we all knew <laughs> i love it man it was exasperation when he said it was hilarious yeah Oh man, Spider-Man 3. <laughs> what a movie, man. What a movie. They had so many they had so many fun exchanges. There was one of my favorites was uh, when when Andrew Garfield mentioned to Toby Maguire because Toby Maguire's Spider-Man was the only one not actually wearing the outfit initially. And so Andrew Garfield says to him, "Are you going to change out of that cool youth pastor outfit?" <laughs> I love that, man. <laughs> That had the whole crowd, dude. That was a line, and it was so true. Like I looked and I burst and laughed. I'm like, "You're right. That is." It was. <laughs> that was one of my favorite parts when they all discovered him. I love the fact that the emotional weight of where we were as an audience when those three, the other two Peter Parker came and joined, instantly bringing that hope, instantly bringing that different shine and a little bit of that seriousness because they each suffered losses and they had to talk to Peter about that, but also that much needed dose of levity and 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 and, and that that beacon of hope was. It was an amazing shot, but you're right. That was that was a line, man. Yeah. Well, and uh, speaking of the uh, the seriousness of the situation, I think again you're speaking to the fact that they uh, they killed off Aunt May, which uh, I don't know if I'm naive, but that that was unexpected. I I I didn't see that coming. How about you? Not at all. Not at all. It was definitely a twist. Um, in fact, this entire movie you could say was almost a deconstruction. Of, we can talk about this later, the deconstruction of like Spider-Man from Iron Man Jr. to more of the traditional Spider-Man with the sense of loss and the humble beginnings and the being a nobody. You know, it started in a different direction with um, this, Peter. Remember, they never mentioned Uncle Ben, aside from him not being here and his loss. Never mentioned how he died. Obviously, the great responsibility talk hadn't happened. You know, like, like it obviously Wayne did not show that. So now you're getting uh, it almost at the end of his journey in a weird way. But at the same time, no, I expected some loss just 
you know, a final film of a trilogy type deal. Uh, all the actors that kind of teased this is a possible ending. I figured somebody was losing, but I honestly thought it was more Happy Hogan. But as soon as I saw the scene where, of course, you know, everything happens and the goblin comes back and the glider comes in, I saw it hit her. And when she jumped up, I remember going, she jumped up way too fast to get hit directly from that glider. Like, like yeah. does she have the spider gene too? You know, and then it was like, okay, once the speech happened, I was like, oh, okay, no, I was right, you know? Yeah, and then that that allowed for the great sort of bonding moment with all the Spider-Mans and expressing the grief that they've suffered from. And then also, more importantly then, later with, uh, with Peter wanting to kill the Green Goblin for, for killing Aunt May or being responsible for Aunt May's death. You, uh, you had the whole, the whole scene where Tobey Maguire is talking about how the guy that uh, was responsible for, for Uncle Ben's death, he, he went after him and he got what he wanted, but it wasn't actually what he wanted. It didn't yep. actually bring him any peace. And so, you know, you, you got that as well. And then you also had that beautiful moment um, which I heard some people chuckling <laughs> for, uh, in the in the audience, unfortunately. And you know, the Amazing Spider-Man movies are not good, especially the second one. But yeah. uh, you know, still, like I like Andrew Garfield. Uh, I do too. He's so pure as a, as a Spider-Man after his initial cocky beginning. Yeah, and and you know, they they obviously in those movies they have that moment where he tries to save. Uh, Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy, but he catches her a little bit too late. She hits her head and she ultimately dies. And they basically give Andrew Garfield that sort of moment of redemption where he's able to save the day and, and catch MJ. And then there's that great exchange where he's making sure MJ's okay. And then she quickly realizes that he is not okay and asks <laughs> Yep. Oh man, that was a gold moment. Are you okay? Yeah. Are you okay? And then he just nods and it's in that moment of like people who laughed, I felt bad because you could tell they didn't understand it and it was it was bad. But like for those of us who did, that call that was awesome. And yeah, there was a little bit of humor in the sense of like her not realizing anything about his story. But for those of us who knew his arc, knew his redemption, and knew notice he never got it, to hear what happened in the aftermath of that movie. And that he did kind of go to the dark side, stop pulling his punches and get a little darker. And then to get that moment, oh, it meant the world. It meant the world. I'm hearing, that's another thing, hearing about how even after Spider-Man 3, I'm a big fan of all these movies, how it ended and how um, like Peter Parker and Mary Jane were going to try again with their relationship. To hear from Peter all these years later that they tried it and they made it work, oh my God, it was gold. And then the, <laughs> it was just, it was amazing. The fan service, I mean, even down to the Doc Ock, we're coming back, where's my machine? The power of the sun in the palm of my hand and actually getting a full circle redemption holding that, that arc reactor. Seeing Peter Parker after all these years and how, I mean, that mentorship coming full circle, I loved every bit of it. It made those other movies so much sweeter because now we know, okay, yes, they met their end in the story, but there's a redemptive arc for all of them. Yeah, and they they executed it brilliantly because you got to have the amazing scene on the highway where Peter is trying to talk to what is it one of the uh, the heads of administration from MIT, mm-hmm. and then Doc Ock shows up, and you have this amazing fight sequence on the highway, and uh, so so you get that, but then yeah, as you said, you also get that whole thing where Peter fixes his chip. 
and then you get oh you get Otto Octavius the actual He's good-hearted that, yes. back at the end um yeah they they executed that so well and then of course also with with Willem Dafoe and and the Green Goblin character you get the whole situation where Norman Osborn seemingly is this innocent brilliant scientist or whatever that just seems to be lost and you realize oh yeah he he was just you know there's no redemption for, no there isn't any the i mean i like goblin. no there isn't and it was nice i like the fact they did that you know like the goblin at the end of it you know they, they he got turned back like all of them but there wasn't any like redemptive art green goblin was all of norman osborne norman osborne let the green goblin take over him completely and they had to excise that completely, you know? So he's back to Norman Osborn. No one really knows or, or, or understands the story after that with his son being killed and everything after that. He used to live with the problem that he wreaked, you know, uh, the havoc that he created uh, despite the goblin no longer being there. But uh, Jamie Foxx having his moment with um, uh, Max was amazing. But the call out to a possible Miles Morales was nice. Yes, that was great. Like, Oh, I was, you know, you're from Queens. I, I thought you were going to be black. <laughs> I, I loved it, man. Was, I loved it. The guy went fantastic. out there somewhere. It was like perfect. And and making, I mean, the 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 full circle effect of making um, Jamie Foxx coolie, you know, because he was kind of corny over the top in the first one, a caricature of himself in a major way. And from that to being basically the smoothest, one of the smoothest villains in the MCU, you know, in, in Spider-Man at least was a full makeover it was it was really cool to see you know also sandman the lizard like shout out to those guys who didn't have big parts and i'm glad because it wasn't really much of a story to create like the lizard story was pretty much solved from the first one he just came back at the moment that the flashpoint happened i guess and then for sandman too like he wasn't cured he just kind of disappeared at the end of the movie so it's kind of cool that both kind of get their chance to you know i think there was some stock footage involved with both those actors personally but they both get a chance to redeem themselves as well yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of Thomas Hayden Church, who plays Sandman. Um, reptile, not not the biggest fan. <laughs> and, uh, I, I never was movie, a lizard fan myself. Yeah, the 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 movie also just you know played that up, I think, pretty well. And and uh, you know, at one point, I think Ned Ned says uh, the dinosaur can talk. <laughs> like, yes, there's yes. A lot of, there's a lot of good, funny, funny moments throughout, oh. that and just poking fun at the fact that yeah, this is. This is kind of just a lame villain, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. And also, like, shout out to the, the supporting cast. I got to say Ned, Le- Re- Ned leads because uh, I like the part where he was meeting with um, <laughs> he was meeting with um, Peter Parker and asking him, did he have any friends? And um, Peter was like, oh, yeah, you know, I had a best friend. Um, you know, he died in my arms after trying to kill me. Very tragic. <laughs> it made, like, this perfect, like, awkward moment where you know ned is like easily kind of like just scared off and he runs back what i love about it so much is that you know he later at the end goes to peter's like don't worry you know i'm not gonna try to turn into a super villain and try to kill you which is a perfect shout out to the comics where uh and it's funny it's a whole convoluted history but in one um appearance he is revealed to be the hub goblin and it was really cool. Like it was funny for everyone else because they're like, you know, it's like a, it's like a double, like a deeper joke. Cause you're laughing at first. Cause of, okay. The immediate joke there, but also like in the comics, yeah, he is your friend. He's reported the daily bugle. And it turns out he's the hub goblin later to be retcon. So that he wasn't the hub goblin. He was brainwashed into being so and all of that. But like the comic heads like me, I was like, 
Oh yeah, that that's that's a sneaky good one. I like I like what I got there. See, and this is why I need you here for these discussions because yeah, I'm, I'm not as uh, I'm not as uh, in depth with the comics and everything, but I I mostly enjoyed it because when when he says to Peter like yeah I, I won't kill you later and like the camera just like hangs on Ned for like a second or two too long to the point where it's yeah it's just really awkward and funny which I I love the cringe humor so that, that yes it was perfect it was perfect. <laughs> But uh, going back to going back to the three Spider-Mans, because I have a few more notes on that. For one, I'm so glad that they introduced Andrew Garfield first, because mm-hmm. obviously, like everyone's going to want Tobey Maguire the most. But uh, I appreciate that they gave Andrew Garfield some of his, you know, a moment or two before mm-hmm. Tobey Maguire stole the show. And like when he first gets there, they uh, they're asking him to like prove it, and he's hanging on the ceiling. And then they're like, "We need you to crawl." <laughs> like yes, <laughs> like Ned's mother asks him to get the cobweb off cobweb off the ceiling. Yes, <laughs> and he gets up there, and he's like, "Now it takes a mask. Now did I prove it?" Like, come on. As he's actually asking about all these theories, because you know that Peter Parker was very scientifically inclined in terms of like oh my God, does this exist in string theory? And this is a real thing. It was really cool to see that. Well, and, you know, there's there's obviously the whole like controversy of the decision to, uh, with the Sam Raimi, Tommy McGuire trilogy of the web shooters. Organic gloving. Just, you know, be like a bodily function. Uh, they they did a great job of playing off of that. And, and uh, <laughs> Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland were both just like, we're curious how how does this work we're not we're not yes. making fun of you we're just you know we can't do that so <laughs> it was hilarious it was just it was um the part where um he said he had weblock and then peter's like actually i did it was a harken back immediately to spider-man 2 where for a large portion of that movie he did have weblock if you will lost his powers gave spider-man it was really kind of cool to see that going yes like not only did it happen he's referencing it but you can check it out i love like it seemed like they took Every like they were scouring the Reddit feeds and the Twitter, trying to find every little bit of fan service and tying it all in together. The fight, the scene where they all met up together. Oh, I don't want to brag, but I will brag. You know, I I, I would fight with the Avengers. The Avengers? What is that? Like, <laughs> is that a band? <laughs> exactly. And then to see them all go and swing together, it almost reminded me of. And is another geek thing here, but the Power Rangers um, reunion episodes. We get all the different ones from the different, all doing the same action together. They do their, and it's this really cool type of motion. Having all three different Spider-Man do their swinging, their hollering, and all that, it was it, it was perfect. It was perfect. I don't think too hard about it. Just enjoy it. It was perfect. Yeah, the um, yeah, that whole like Avengers conversation that to me like was the most sort of Spider Verse dialogue I could think of in the movie. Where it's yes. Like, yeah, you're taking advantage of the fact that these people are not from the same universe. They don't have the same collective experiences. So yeah, like there's, there's plenty of humor to find in that. I guess we should go back to the start now because how all of this materializes is essentially Peter goes to Dr. Strange and asks him essentially, Hey, you know, I don't want to be the most famous person on the planet like me and uh, my friends are suffering and, you know, negative consequences, not getting into the schools we want to get to because of this. So can you help me? And Dr. Strange comes up with the idea of basically making it so everyone forgets that uh, Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And then in the midst of him casting that spell, 
<laughs> Peter Parker, Tom Holland is saying like, oh, oh actually, you know, can uh, can Ned know? Can MJ know? Can Aunt May know? Um, <laughs> you know, and that screws up the spell in some respects and allows people that knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man from other universes to enter this world. Yeah. And uh, that, that was, I think, a really, a really cool way to incorporate all of that. And then also sort of the solution at the end then becomes, we'll just have everybody forget now that Peter Parker is Spider-Man with no exceptions, because otherwise, yeah. you know, we've already seen what can happen if he tries to make exceptions and we're changing it as he's creating the spell. Um, and so that essentially sets up, you know, you mentioned that this was kind of the end of a first trilogy of the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. And this very much does feel like a climax in yes. a lot of respects. Yes. Um, so I think what this enables them and now that like, yeah, MJ and Ned don't know who Peter is. He's got to reintroduce himself to them and try to develop those relationships again. You know, he's on his own now because aunt may is passed uh happy doesn't know who he is um so it has really done a great job i think of setting up the next couple of movies now to sort of start from scratch and are we going to get a lonely depressed peter parker to start the next yeah yeah then you don't know we don't know it's a lot of that now you said it because you you basically have uh, the the humble roots you know, the, the simple apartment building, which, by the way, shout to that was an homage to the same apartment building, the one bedroom type thing that Peter Parker had in the Sam Raimi. Yeah. You know, right. I love that, you know, and, and the new suit, you know, which looks so much comic accurate, such a beautiful suit. I'm um, going back to his true roots, you know, being an anonymous hero. Um, and it does leave options open. It also says like, hey, if, if Tom Holland does, if this is it for Tom Holland, then it stops at a nice spot too. You know what I mean? It's left to wonder because mind you, he had chances to at the time to go in and talk to both MJ and Ned. He saw how happy they were and didn't want to, you know, possibly conflict with that at the time and decided to let it, let it go, you know? So one could construe that if we see another movie where he decides, okay, I'm going to go back out and, and make these connections, or it could be a bittersweet type of ending where he goes, you know what? It's better for them not to know who I am. You know, a uh, shout out to the incredible Hulk, you know, where like, he had to keep moving, you know, and he couldn't let them know who he was because he never, he couldn't have a happy home, you know, couldn't have a happy life being who he was and being the Hulk and he couldn't stop being the Hulk. It could be a similar kind of vein toward that. I just like the fact that either way you have a, either a very solid close to Spider-Man with Tom Holland, or you have a very good end point to pick up whenever you like. Exactly. Now um, we, we do have to get to, uh, I had a few nitpicks, Corbin. Uh, All right. I'm with it. I hope it's okay if I bring these up. Um, Please, sir. So this is probably overanalyzing, overthinking the whole idea of the world, you know, forgets that Peter Parker exists. But in this new reality, would Ned and MJ be friends? Because the movie poses that they would be in part because they're both, what, engineers. And so they're both going to MIT but they met through Peter Parker, correct? So you know what? You might be right. I didn't remember that. Yeah, you might be right. I think what one of the other things that was like slightly awkward about the movie too was like the two of them 
hanging out. And I think that was part of the point is that they're, <laughs> that they're, they're kind of a, they're kind of an odd couple, right? The two of them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was one of those things where it's like, yeah, I, I mean, that that's cool. I think that allows Peter to sort of leave them in peace a little bit, knowing that they have each other. But at the same time, it's like, I don't really Do feel like this is, uh, realistic that this would be happening. <laughs> No, and, and you know what? You make a very good point. Like, I hadn't thought about it like that in that way. But, yeah. I mean, it does make sense to go, okay, hell, especially if they were, of course, bonded by that mutual friend and Peter, the foundation is gone. What draws them together? You know what I mean? Yeah. What makes them, that, that's something I hadn't even thought about. That's a very good point. Another thing with Ned, too, you know, he had some funny moments. We, we talked about the one already where he uh, was saying that, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm not going to become a supervillain and kill you. Like, <laughs> but, yeah, I loved it. There, there were other moments earlier in the movie where, like, he was, you know, just that awkward sort of uh, third wheel with, uh, with Peter and MJ. He interrupts them when they're about to kiss on the rooftop. Um, but I felt like in, especially in the, in the previous film where there was that whole dynamic of him and who is it, Betty, uh, and, and their relationship yeah, and how yeah. cute and funny that was. Um, I, I feel like that Ned wasn't quite as much of a star in this film as he was in the previous two. And in part, I think it was because they didn't let him sort of do his own thing. He was kind of always attached to Peter and MJ throughout the movie. Yeah, they didn't really develop enough, and I think part of that is the problem you get with these movies that have all these different heroes and villains and everyone needing screen time in a two-hour and change movie, is that someone's going to get the short stick. I thought for the most part they balanced it well among the hero-villain dynamic, you know, not having the Spider-Man come into the third act, you know, having the villains that were going to be most notable get their shine, those who weren't quickly established like background character villains, you know, but of those three, I do agree, Ned was just kind of there. You know, I think the dynamic was different because the first movie now that you have Peter and MJ is like an established couple. The first, the, the first one, MJ was there, but not really in his line of interest. The second movie was him trying to get to MJ, but Ned being a big part of making that happen, making excuses, you know, being a, a part of that right hand man. So now the third one, you have Peter and MJ together. The way the movie kind of handled it was, OK, so what do we need Ned for? You know, because he didn't really help as much as he did in the movies past. Now, MJ stepped into that role. So you're right. He was kind of left holding uh, a little bit of the bag there. Now, they, they did give him the ability to create a por- portals and stuff, which became. That was cool. And um, so, but yeah, that, that does sort of feel like in the writer's room, they're saying, OK, what are we what are we going <laughs> to do with Ned so that he's like important in any way here? Oh, yeah. Let's have him do this. Um, but. But yeah, the uh, I, and I guess too, you know, it's it's hard when it's it's hard to have sort of that character development that you had with Ned in the first two movies, just because of the scale of this, right? Whereas the first two movies, it is very much just like a normal high school setting, or in the second movie, a high school setting where they go on a on a, on a trip to Europe. Mm-hmm. So there's more room to breathe, I guess. Whereas this, much more like, oh, we've got so many like crazy things to pack into this it's hard to really flesh out every supporting character exactly and i think we saw that come into bear in this one for sure now another another couple of issues i had um you know they they had a, a couple of lines where you know peter is talking to dr strange and every time he he uh 
begins, he either says, sir, at first, and then Stephen says, don't call me, sir, call me Stephen. And then he calls him Stephen. He says, ah, that, that feels weird. Um, which, like, the first time or two they did that, I thought it was, you know, it it produced a chuckle, I suppose. Yeah. It wasn't anything hilarious. But um, then, like, I was a little, uh, that, like, sort of climactic moment where Stephen Strange is essentially casting that final spell and Tom Holland calls him sir again and they do the whole routine where he says call me Stephen and I think that feels weird it's like can we I I know that's that's been sort of something that people have mocked about Marvel since the Mm -hmm. beginning is that they always have to undercut the drama with a joke but that was one where it felt very evident. It's like, come on, just just let this this drama sit here. We don't need yeah. to joke for a fifth time. The weight was there, and you went and kind of took it out or attempted to in a way that made it awkward when you try to insert another joke that honestly wasn't funny after the first time. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I thought was sort of a missed opportunity was, you know, they, they brought back J.K. Simmons, who I obviously love. He's great as uh, J. Jonah Jameson. And uh, he's throughout the movie doing these reports, um, you know, via the Daily Bugle. Uh, but I thought they were going to, you know, and again, this is, uh, <laughs> these movies are for a very broad audience. And I understand that Disney is not about taking too many risks with these movies, but I thought it was a golden opportunity with that and the Daily Bugle storyline to comment, make a commentary about, you know, legitimate versus, you know, sort of bullshit news sources and, you know, trying to figure out why these things exist and also try to come to terms with that people are, are bad at sort of grasping what what news sources are credible or not what's real and what isn't i agree with you i just think to that good luck unfortunately with disney being i mean they already they they weren't touching that and it sucks but i think that's where the business aspect of it comes in in a way that wouldn't have actually impacted storytelling but try telling it to them you know yeah so let's talk about the uh, the post credit scenes then so there's the the first one was uh, a scene where we get Tom Hardy as Venom in a bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, as soon as I saw that, Corbin, my first thought was, gosh darn it, now I got to watch the Venom movies, don't I? You, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least number two. At least number two. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, what, what were your thoughts on that as someone that, uh, you know, has seen the Venom movies? Was that, was that fun for you to see him and thrown in there? It was. I liked the fact that he was in there. I was like, okay, wow, we're finally getting that Spider-Man Venom crossover. And then from the disappear, I was like, wow, like just when we're going to have him in the same universe, he's gone. But then that little bit of Venom that was left behind, I went, oh, wow, they could spawn their whole new story from that and do Disney's version of that Marvel universe. Yeah. And then the the second post credit scene, which, you know, I don't know why people in the, the audience don't have a grasp of this yet that there's always two post-credit scenes in marvel movies oh they never do it i love it it always surprised me how many people do not get that yeah and like half the audience left but uh the second post-credit scene this was interesting i thought because this was the first time where you know they're, they're obviously teasing future movies with these that's the whole point yeah but this was the first time where it truly felt like oh this is just a straight up trailer for the uh the next doctor strange movie 
And, and as we saw today, as we saw, we're recording this now on the 22nd. It was. They released that as a trailer today. Okay. I did not know that. Yep. They released that entire, the entire um, second. It did feel like for the first time ever that, wow, we're actually getting like, no, like straight up trailers for the next movie in the previous movie. And they took it today and they released it as a teaser trailer. So it is just what you said, Garrett. You were on to more than you thought. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, um, that was that was interesting, and uh, you know, obviously that uh, that uh, what, what's the what's the actual title? It's uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. So I'm I'm very excited for that one. I think that uh, I'm I'm all for the Marvel movies being as weird as humanly possible. <laughs> so so I'm all for it. And, uh, you know, they they've done such a good job of incorporating the TV shows as well. Don't tell me all about Hawkeye because I still have to watch the finale. Okay. Of that. Uh, yeah, I wish, dude, when you do, we might have to come back here. That's all I got to say. Yeah. But uh, was, was there anything else, uh, anything that you had in your notes or anything you wanted to talk about about uh, No Way Home before we, we wrap up here? I just think it was a love letter to Spider-Man fans. An homage to the rich history of Spider-Man movies that we've had over the past 20 years. A tremendous amount of fan service, but an enjoyable film nonetheless, and one that I was really, really happy uh, to have to have witnessed. So nothing else but that. Total excitement. Um, might watch it a fourth time. Just kidding. I'm not doing that. But it was a lot of fun. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I, uh, I, I told Corbin this before we started recording, but uh, when, when I went to the theater, I waited basically, um, you know, almost a week after the act, the initial release of the film to say, Hey, let's, let's wait and let the crowds go crazy for it on opening weekend. And, and uh, you know, hit it up on a Wednesday and hope that there's not too many people there. And it was essentially sold out. I had to sit in the third row. So that, uh, that did not, that did not work out. I, I oh, always man. underestimate how, uh, how crazy in demand these Marvel movies are, especially sort of the, I guess you, you would have to say that the Spider-Man films are part of like the tentpole films in the MCU, along with like the Avengers movies themselves. Absolutely. I think you'd have to, I agree. They're, they're one of those, they're one of those landmark type things. But yeah, um, I, I will not go see it in theaters. Well, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks, I don't, I still, I still am so worried about going there and just, you know, having, you know, a hundred people behind me coughing on me. So yeah, if it finally does die down, I know what you mean, but uh, I, I definitely will be excited to see it as soon as it's on demand or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, Corbin, this was, this was an absolute blast. Uh, thanks. Thanks so much for, for coming on and taking the time. Thanks always, man. I love it. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Duncan dynasty. Corbin Ford and Gary Bouguet here with you. And uh, just wanted to, to quickly say before we wrap up, uh, please subscribe, rate, and review Duncan Dynasty. We're on, uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Spotify, wherever you get your, uh, your podcast. That is uh, much appreciated. You can find me on uh, Twitter at Garrett Bouguet. Corbin, why don't you tell the people what you got going on? Oh, man, you can find me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. Uh, definitely make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. I mean, following me is just an afterthought here. But if you want some more NBA content from yours truly, uh, check out Round Ball Ramble. Um, it is my podcast. You can also find uh, the description uh, on my Twitter handle, or on my once you click on my Twitter handle. Uh, definitely check that out. And, uh, yeah, a bunch of other um, assorted pods. I love talking hoops just like my friend Gary does. So you know where to find me there. That's the main part to catch my work. 
yeah, can't recommend Round Ball Ramble enough. Corbin does goes, does great stuff there, and I've appeared on it numerous times and uh, <laughs> hopefully will be uh, continuing to appear on it in the future. Again, we appreciate you all for listening and, of course, enjoy the next week in the NBA calendar. Leftovers. Or the DMV. Number 97. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.